0: So thank you so much for joining with us today, and uh, some of you are brand new. Welcome to uh, Church in a Movie Theater. How many of you, I'm curious, it's your first time you've actually been to church in the year 2021? Can you put your hand up? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, good. No, I mean, this is your first trip to like a church service in the year 2021. Yeah, okay there. I asked the question right. Okay, good. So we do it in a movie theater here So it's a little bit different it's a little bit unconventional uh, But it but it works well and uh, I want to take a moment to welcome all of you Especially those of you who are joining on Facebook and YouTube as well uh, You'll notice today. There's no slides. There's no gimmicks. It's just uh, just a face And we're just trying to give our technician a bit of a break here And by the way, if you are technically inclined and you like video and you like production, you like live stream, all that kind of stuff, we need to build a team of volunteers to do this as we are streaming live every week. We're on live on Sunday and then sometimes on Monday nights, I do a live Q&A. And then on Wednesdays, we have a Zoom Bible study as well. So we're busy online as well as in person. Let me give you a couple of announcements before we go any further. On the 14th of August, here in this building, we'll be in screen number. Number 8 it's a Saturday and it's our big back to school bash I know for some of you you hear back to school and you're like like this if you're a kid but if you're an adult you're like yeah back to school right Uh, and hopefully they'll be in campus on campus hopefully right we hope we wait and see but uh, we are gonna do our fifth uh, back to school bash on the 14th of August Uh, We're going to hand out looks like around 110, 115 backpacks. We'll have 200 people here. Uh, It takes a small team to help to run this. If you can volunteer your time from 8 to noon on the 14th, Saturday, it is such a fun time. We bring in a a magician, we have popcorn, and then we distribute the, the backpacks. So much fun. We have enough room for the people in our church Uh, You can come even if you haven't registered we have room for you Especially because you're the ones who are helping us to pay for it So we do have room please come and see me if you have not registered for it You want to bring your kids you want them to get the backpacks etc Please come and see me so that I can get you all squared away and set up But if you want to volunteer uh, you can do that as well come and see me We've got about eight nine people we still need a few more of those hours all right Uh, and also you can give toward the event. Uh, We have giving envelopes on the front table there, and uh, Elaine, I think, probably has a basket in her hands. I'll let you at your leisure, Elaine, uh, pass that around. I know you know the individuals who like to give via cash or check, uh, but if you want to give something to that event, uh, you'll need an envelope, write on it school or bash, and your name and address will be able to give you an income tax receipt, we've got a little machine Uh, at the front, at the end, uh, that's being manned by a volunteer. And uh, if you wanna give with electronics, we can handle that as well. You wanna give on our website, we can handle that as well. But it's gonna be a fantastic uh, event and a reminder that uh, you can watch us On Facebook and YouTube and our website, but you can also listen. Uh, We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and uh, Podbean. All right? So today we're continuing our series on the 16th, uh, on on the Psalms, but we'll be in Psalm number 16 today uh, in the Bible's Old Testament. All right? If you are new to the Bible, uh, you can. Yes? A little little kid. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. Uh, We need to dismiss the children. Thank you. So uh, Samuel, our children's leader is there and uh, we've got a couple of volunteers. If you wanna follow Jenny to screen number 11, we will handle all of the kids. You can come on down and uh, head over to screen 11. Hey, we got a little squad of people here. God bless them. That's not the church of the future. Remember, uh, that's the church of the present, right? Are the children. And everyone said, I'm not listening. Yes. I'll just give them a moment. All right, over at screen number 11. And remember, when the service is over, to pick them up. Don't leave them behind or they might get stuck in a movie, okay? So uh, we are looking at the Psalms. If you're new to the Bible, uh, really a, a good tip for you, um, there's a free app online called YouVersion. Y O U Version. Any uh, platform, any language, any version. It is, I think, the best uh, application out there for people who want to get to know the Bible. It has all kinds of other tools and tips, videos, all kinds of stuff there. So uh, we really have no excuse today. You can you can get acquainted with the Bible that's usually collecting dust on most people's shelves these days, but you can do so electronically through the Version app. The Psalms are right in the middle really of your, of your Bible uh, and we're, we're looking at a few Psalms in a series here. So this is part three, we're gonna look at Psalm 16 and the title of the message today is Death Could Not Hold Him, Death Could Not Hold Him. Um, when you look at Psalms, Uh, And by the way, Psalms are usually the most popular uh, Old Testament book, is usually the Psalms. As I joked uh, last week, I never hear people at uh, funeral services or weddings uh, read from the book of Leviticus or, uh, you know, or Exodus even, or even Genesis. Well, no, Genesis a little bit at weddings, but usually the Psalms are the most popular. And the reason why is because we relate to them on an emotional scale. We can feel what the writers are writing. We can say, I've been through that experience. I know what that writer is talking about. I relate to it, I connect to it on an emotional level. And a lot of the Psalms were meant to be sung or they were written in a a poetic type of literary style. Uh, so you can almost think of them as pieces of music, or if you like uh, contemporary music today, you know, lyrics and, and, and melody and all that. Well, this is very similar to that, but these are, you know, 2,000, 3,000, 3, years old, and yet they still transcend time because we relate to what they're writing. Uh, about half of the Psalms, I think it's 73 or 75 of them, uh, were written by David. Uh, that's David from the Old Testament. This was this one in particular. Uh, we're told that it's a miktam, which is a Hebrew word that we're not sure what it really means. Could be some type of reference to a song style or a literary style. But for sure, this is not just a guy writing little notes. He had a very specific intention was likely sung, uh, this psalm, as many of them were. Uh, But before we get into the psalm, we need to figure out who's David. (laughs) We know from reading here that David has left his name behind in the text, so we know that he wrote it. He often does that, but sometimes he doesn't, uh, but this time he does. So we have an advantage in that we can get to learn who is our songwriter. You know, sometimes if you like a certain artist today, you like to learn about them. You like to learn who they are. You like to learn their background because it comes out in their music and you're almost uh, uh, forming a relationship with the artist through their music and through their life. And so when we look at David, we have to say, well, hold on here, who was he? Because if we know a little bit about him, we may be able to figure out what this Psalm means. So I'd like to have a little bit of fun with you today and and playing along at home. You can do the same thing as well. Just use the comment section. You're 20 seconds behind what I'm saying right now, but it'll still work anyway. I'd like you to shout out for me or type on your screen. Tell me something about the life of David from the Old Testament. Maybe it's just a little snippet that you know about him, but tell me about David. Shout it out one at a time killed Goliath good yeah David and Goliath you know that story right it's like one of the most famous famous stories this little little boy and this giant right okay David and Goliath what else do you know about him consecrated okay yeah that's a fancy term it means he was he was uh, he devoted his life to God in the book of acts it says he was a man after God's own heart that's consecration good what else do you know about him Okay. King of Israel. Good. Yeah. Somebody else. Shepherd. Good. Yeah. Who said that? Good. Yeah. He was a shepherd. And when we cover Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, interesting. David was a shepherd, right? Tell me something else about him. Somebody else. Saul wanted to kill him. Saul to kill him. Yeah. So he spent uh, a fairly significant period of his life on the run right? From the king, Saul, who was paranoid because David became insanely popular after uh, uh, slaying the Philistine giant, Goliath. And in a jealous rage, Saul spent a great deal of time trying to assassinate David. Good. What else do you know about him? He was a musician. Yeah, we know that from, from reading the Psalms. Good. What else do we know about him? Adultery mistake. Yeah. Okay. So, so that, that, that's true. So he committed adultery. And then when, when things got off the rails a little bit, he also committed murder. Oh, So adultery, murder, king, shepherd, he's a musician. He killed Goliath. He's on the run from Saul. All these things you know about him. Some of you probably know a little bit more, but that helps us when we read some of his work, he's reflecting on these things in his life. So Psalm 16, uh, we'll just do a little, a little journey through this Psalm because it is peculiar in one way. Uh, Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. On the run. From Saul maybe he's thinking about that Uh, if the first thing you write is keep me safe ie protect me God for in you I take refuge I hide in you he's probably being pursued in some way or form as he's thinking I said to the Lord you are my Lord, the Hebrew word is the what we call the tetragrammaton, Yahweh, it could be pronounced there, the sort of personal name for God. Uh, I said to him, you are my Lord, apart from you, I have no good thing. Consecration was said before. As for the saints who are in the land, speaking about the people in the land who serve, this God, Yahweh, Jehovah, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. So there's a, there's a, a contrast that he's laying out right away. So he's probably reminiscing about a dangerous situation, or maybe he's in one, but right away he's got a contrast that he's setting up. The God of the Jewish people and the other gods that are all around. So he is setting up a very clear contrast. And he says that the people who run after these so-called other gods, uh, their sorrows will increase. So it's going to get hard for them who run after these other gods. He's thinking about consequence. He's playing the tape forward, and he's trying to lay down a premise here that if you serve the God of Israel, versus all these other gods then there'd be different sets of consequences down the road this is what he's establishing i will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips you say what is a libation of blood well back then you what you had in the in the pagan world uh, was a, a whole system there that they used where uh, a blood sacrifice was very important to them. And they would do it in all kinds of ways. Now, the Jewish people had their way as well, but in the pagan world, it was quite different. And uh, it was a lot more morbid. Uh, you have things of child sacrifice in the in the pagan world back at that time. You have all kinds of things. Um, I remember just recently seeing... Um, an exposition in the museum on the Mayan culture, the ancient Mayan civilization. Brilliant uh, people. And uh, wow, some of the technology that they did and some of their understandings, mathematics, architecture, and so on. whoo just uh, mind-blowing. But one thing that struck me in going through that museum and looking at that Mayan exhibit was exactly out of this song. Uh, They had all kinds of rituals uh, with, you know, people spilling their blood and all of this to all of their gods and goddesses, tens of thousands of them in the ancient Mayan civilization. So in terms of their spirituality, uh, at least if the Bible is to be trusted, it was a pagan spirituality system. And so what David is saying here is, I'm not going for that. I am not going to join in that whole thing. Uh, My worship, my consecration was a word that's used, was used before, is to God and not to all of this other religion and all of these other gods and goddesses and so on. No, that's not the direction that I'm taking at all. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and cup. So uh, what's coming to me, these are old terms. Cup was often used in the Bible in terms of your inheritance, in terms of your, um, uh, uh, what you attained in life. This was your cup, this was your portion. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places surely i have a delightful inheritance again a very clear contrast is being made here now this may be offensive uh to people today but I venture to say David could care less. Uh, When he wrote this, he was adamant in trying to establish, yes indeed, there is a God who is right, and there are gods who are not right. And again, this would be very offensive today, but in David's mind, offended or not, this is what he wanted to establish uh, in his writing here. And he's making it crystal, crystal clear. I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night. My heart instructs me. I have met a lot of people who, uh, over the course of this pandemic, have a lot of trouble sleeping. And they're filled with anxiety and stress and worry, and uh, rightfully so. Uh, there are people whose, whose entire career paths have changed and have been knocked, knocked uh, off the side uh, because of this pandemic. You know, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's still true. Quebec has the worst labor shortage in Canada right now. Every Virtually every restaurant or uh, retail place is hiring because there's an immense labor shortage here that's been caused uh, by COVID. Very interesting, but it creates an anxiety in people. And here he's saying that at night, my heart instructs me. So his heart is not his own enemy in the night when he sleeps. And for many of us, that's not always true. Our worst enemy at times is ourselves, especially when we, When we go down to sleep, you know, but not for him. He says, at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. And here's where it starts to get a little strange. Because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. I want you to think for a moment of the old story of David and Goliath. And, I, and I, I wonder if David was right-handed. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, no way to prove it. Uh, and back then, if you, if you study the subject, you see that these, these people who were able to sling stones, it was like artillery back in that day. They could throw those projectiles extremely hard and extremely accurately. And we see that played out in the whole, uh, the whole grandeur there in the story of David and Goliath that you can read from the Old Testament. But I wonder if he's thinking of throwing that stone when he writes there, he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I mean, standing before this, this freak of nature who's like 10 feet tall, who's taunting the whole army of Israel, saying, none of you can beat me. I mean, it's the ultimate, uh, come from behind victory. It's the ultimate uh, underdog story. It's the ultimate uh, Olympic, you know, story with this little kid, little farm boy who's pushed off to the side, who rises to, to heroic heights, because he, for him, he was in the, in the advantage. If you read the story, uh, he's like, well, who are you to taunt the living God? Who are you? Like he and he tells the people, he says, I'm I'm gonna go and I'm gonna kill this giant. And his own people are laughing at him. His own people, you know, they give him they give him the armor that's too big for him. He says, I don't want this armor. Like, get it off. I don't want that. Just give me my sling and five smooth stones, you know, and that's all I need. But I'm gonna kill this giant. I'm gonna kill him in front of all of you. And for him, he was in the advantage. Maybe he realized. God was at his right hand and he's going to go and he's going to throw that stone. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave. Huh? The word there in the Hebrew language is sheol. And if you trace this word through the Old Testament, it's kind of the place of the dead, the abode of the dead. What happens to people when they die in the Old Testament? There's this presentation of Sheol and it's very rough. It doesn't, it's not fully developed in the Old Testament. Uh, you ask people today, ask Jewish people today, what happens when you die? And I come from a Jewish background. Uh, they're not 100% sure. <laughs> some rabbis say this, some rabbis say that, some interpret the Old Testament this way, some interpret it another way. Uh, you have all kinds of uh, complicated... Uh, things that happen when a Jewish person dies, but a firm, secure mm, doctrine as to what happens to the soul upon death is not entirely firmly established. There's a great deal of respect and procedure, uh, but it's not fully established in a theological sense. And what he's saying here, you will not abandon me to Sheol. Really? where Where are you going? It's... It's odd, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Really? Uh, How's that gonna happen to you, David, that you will not see decay when you die? It's odd. You have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Uh, so his right David's right hand, and then God's right hand, curious twist that he puts on it now, uh, we could look at this th- these weird verses about Sheol and the afterlife and the body not decaying, and we could pass them over, and we could say, well, he's being poetic, I mean he's being emphatic, he's being stylistic, he's being poetic. What are we supposed to do with this I mean if you were if you were reading it back then, you know about 3,000 years ago, you would have looked at it and said, wow, it's some powerful applications in this psalm. But, you know, he's being being grand here in these verses. And this is where it takes a twist uh, that is so important for us today. Um, a, a, A principle, if you learn anything in this whole series, if you only come to this church one time, we have guests here today you're here for a baby dedication if you're only come one time just listen this is worth a million dollars but I'll give it to you for free let the Bible interpret itself when you read the Bible let the Bible interpret itself why do I say this with with such uh, importance today especially with this pandemic the amount of of nonsense that is floating around in cyberspace, that's on the airwaves, it's on the internet, that's in people's ears, that's on their phones and their tablets and their laptops, the amount of nonsense that is out there, the high percentage of that nonsense, a high percentage, is coming from Christians. It's coming from Bible reading people. But they're taking things and they're twisting things and they're morphing things and I have to say, as a minister of the gospel, I find it a little bit embarrassing. If I'm dialoguing with people who are atheists and they're showing me these videos from these people who say that the vaccine is the mark of the beast and all of this other stuff, like folks, I I can take my laptop, I can put my, my, I put it on my, you know, it's not sticking Okay, there's no magnet in the vaccine. It's not sticking, folks. I could make it look that way, but it's not sticking. I have seen so much stuff that, it, honestly, it frightens me because we're not doing what we're supposed to do. Let the Bible interpret itself. It often does. You read a passage, you read something, you say, what's this mean? But you follow it. Through the Bible, you keep reading, you keep saying, well, where is this passage talked about anywhere? Does anybody talk about this anywhere else in the Bible? Does anybody else talk about this theme or this subject or this idea? Let the Bible interpret itself, respect it as a piece of literature that can interpret itself. Uh, Yes, we believe that the Bible is the word of God, It's not just 66 books that are kind of slapped together by a bunch of people in the third century who rolled the dice, okay? We believe that it's inspired by God. It's a unit. Well, it will interpret itself. Any piece of literature, uh, if it's big enough, will start interpreting itself. And the Bible interprets itself often. And when you look at these passages, Wow, there's something spectacular that's going on here with the back half of this psalm that's not revealed to us until a thousand years after it's written. This is so important for us when you're reading, when you're beginning your journey into the scripture, let the scripture interpret itself. You start jerking things out of context, you're going to end up on a highway that's going to lead to utter frustration and disappointment with God because you'll end up believing things that are not true and you'll end up with a Christianity that is Christless and you'll end up with a salvation that is meaningless. Let the scripture interpret itself. So we don't see much about Psalm 16 after it's written. We don't see it referred to in the rest of the Old Testament. We don't see anybody picking it up and quoting it and and we think to ourselves, case closed. Uh, but when we, again, let the Bible interpret itself, we see something spectacular from two men uh, in the New Testament. One of them is Peter and one of them is Paul. And we see how they, these two Jewish men, look at this Psalm and figure out what it really meant. So we zip over in history over to Acts chapter two in the Bible's New Testament. This is when the new community of faith, the church, not a building, not a structure, not a set of policies, uh, not a government, Okay, a church is a community. That's what the word meant. It did not mean anything else, but that's the word ecclesia, that's a gathering, that's a meeting of people. So the new community of faith is formed in the opening chapters of the book of Acts. And we see right at the beginning here when the church is birthed, uh, there's uh, uh, Peter who gets up and he preaches the first message, if you will. And he's trying to explain to people what in the world is going on. There's people who are gathered in a room. There's wind and there's fire dropping on their heads and they're speaking in languages that they don't even know. But the visitors from out of town who are there for the Feast of Pentecost in Jerusalem, they know these languages that these people are speaking. They've never even left their hometown. How is it that they know these languages that are all over the place? Clearly there's something supernatural that's going on here. And so Peter gets up and he's going to interpret this and he's gonna say let me tell you what's going on I know what's going on he starts quoting from the Old Testament minor prophet Joel and then guess where he goes he picks up this psalm and he talks about Jesus men of Israel Acts chapter 2 verse 22 listen to this Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. He's presenting God as a God who is miraculous, supernatural, who can predict the future by God's foreknowledge. And you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him. And he jumps back to Psalm 16. I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. Remember, he's throwing the stone. I saw the Lord, but he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also live in hope. He's quoting it word for word, because you will not abandon me to the grave. And here we have the Greek word Hades, which is kind of the Greek translation of that word Sheol. Nor will you let uh, let your holy one see decay. Or corruption you have made known to me the paths of life you fill me with joy in your presence and he says to his people I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried he, we can go and see his tomb he says his tomb is here today but he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath on oath that he would place one of his descendants on on his throne seeing what was ahead so what he's arguing here is that David was looking through the tunnel of time when he wrote those little verses in Psalm 16 and he sees maybe roughly but he sees through time prophetically you say I don't believe in that well okay but I'm just telling you what Peter said he claims that This is what David saw and he had a figure uh, uh, of the Messiah to come. He was a prophet and he knew that God would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. So what he's arguing to his people. Is that way back in the Psalms, way back in the Old Testament, the resurrection of the Messiah, the Christ. Christ is a Greek word for uh, Mashiach, which is Messiah. That he saw, this writer David saw the resurrection of the Christ and that he was not abandoned Hades or Sheol nor did his body see decay and God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of the fact exalted to the right hand remember that of God he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit who he has poured out, and uh, this is what you see now. This is what you hear now. And so he's trying to say this phenomenon that you're seeing, these people aren't drunk who are speaking in these other languages that they couldn't have possibly learned. This is a supernatural thing that's going on because the Spirit of God has been poured out on these people. Why has the Spirit of God been poured out on these people? Because the Christ has risen from the dead. How do we know that? Because David said so. And so this is his argument to these people there are thousands of them in the audience and they are strongly persuaded by his words and they uh, uh, come to faith in christ and are baptized in water the same day it was a very very persuasive argument to them because they could not uh, play with the fact that we've got this tomb that's empty. We've got these sightings of Jesus all over the place. There's a ruckus starting in Jerusalem. There's nobody. There's people talking about him being raised from the dead. There's people who have seen him and eaten with him. What is going on? And this is what Peter says, the Christ has risen from the dead. Even David told you that. And he told you that a thousand years ago. Amazing. You you let the scripture interpret itself. Wow, that is quite the take on Psalm 16. For those people, it made perfect sense because they could not argue with what they were experiencing and what they saw. And they put two and two together and they say, well, obviously David's tomb is here. Obviously we can go and see it. Maybe he's talking about someone else. Maybe he's talking about a Messiah who we've been waiting for for generations Peter's not the only person who sees this Paul uh, uh, from Tarsus the the Jewish man who who is a a persecutor of the new community, having people stoned to death, having them put in prison, and so on. He is transformed miraculously, powerfully, while he's on his way to persecute some more Christians, and he becomes the greatest spokesperson and advocate uh, for the Christian message in the entire New Testament. And uh, when Paul is teaching here in Pisidian Antioch, you don't really need to know where that is, he starts to argue the same thing. And uh, he says in Acts chapter thirteen um, that the whole—he's he, reiterating the whole story of, of Jesus. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pontius Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written about him, in other words, he's arguing as well that all of this has been predicted before. This is not something that has not been put into the pages of scripture and predicted before. It's there, you can see it. Even Jesus argued this. He said, the law and the prophets and the writings testify about me. That's the Old Testament. And when they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised to our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. And then he quotes from Psalm number two. We didn't Psalm 2 but he quotes from Psalm 2 you are my son today I have become your father and he's arguing that this is the relationship between God the Father God the Son the fact that God raised him from the dead never to decay is stated in these words bingo Psalm 16 uh, and uh, again, uh, Psalm uh, 2, I think it is. I give you the holy and sure blessings uh, promised to David. And then Psalm 16, you will not let your holy one see decay. And he says the same thing as Peter. David had served his purpose for his own generation. He fell asleep. That means he died. He was buried His uh, buried with his fathers. His body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay and here's his conclusion therefore I want you to know and this is the message that I want you to know today I want you to know through Jesus the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you you and I my friends have a problem in that our moral failure we talked about David's adultery and murder All of us, if we we look at the picture uh, portrayed in the Bible, all of us, in a sense, are moral failures. All of us have a problem in that we have gotten our hands caught in the cookie jar. All of us are born, according to the scripture, again, with our back up against God, with our little fist in the air toward God and that little rebellious nature is going to—it's going to come like a little time bomb. I know you think your child's perfect, but I'm telling you, no one is. <laughs> okay? I thought my child was perfect too. Every parent in this room felt like their child was perfect too, and then they realized, hold on a second, this kid's got a bit of a has got a little bit of a mean streak in him. There's something there. And this is what the Bible argues that while we're created in the image of God, while we're capable of incredible things, there is a nature inside of us that is attracted to transgression. And when that line is presented before us, we cross it. And then it's moved a little bit more and we cross it again. And we keep crossing it. And the problem is it's in our nature. And what it does is it blocks us from a relationship with God because God takes that stuff really seriously, more seriously than we do a lot more seriously than we do. And so we have this problem in that we cannot connect with our creator. Our sin has blocked us. And if any of you think that you have never sinned or you've never committed any kind of moral or ethical failure in your life, I welcome you to come up and take my job here. Uh, but I know that I know that every single one of you, ev- all of us, as the Bible says, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Just think of it this way. If we could put a little magic probe on your, on your head and we could see everything in your head on the screen right here behind me. How many of you would like to do that in front of everybody here this morning? So this is what the Bible argues. That we have this problem inside and the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you You can be made right with your creator. He's not talking about joining a church He's not talking about an organization He's talking about you being made right with your creator and receiving the forgiveness of sins this is what we proclaim to you through him everyone who believes not everyone who does good things say well I'm a good person I don't cheat on my taxes I'm faithful to my wife and so on I'm a good person no it's, heaven is not for good people heaven is for forgiven people you can't be good enough to work your way to heaven you can't do enough you can't do enough penance you can't give enough money to the church you can't teach sunday school enough you can't be baptized a thousand times and you know do all this work and that way i'll make it no it's not through your work that you make it it's through god's work through jesus on the cross that you make it this is what he's saying everyone who believes Is justified so before God he looks at you and he says you are justified before me I do not hold your sin against you I do not hold you accountable any longer for your sin why because I held my son accountable for your sin because he paid the price for your sin on that cross that I put him on this is the message of Christianity that's the straight Simple gospel message. You're justified from everything that you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Speaking to Jewish people who thought that if they followed the law, all 600 and some odd laws, they could be justified before God. And Paul is saying, no, you can't. You need the cross of Christ in your life. Uh, From the little baby who we dedicated today to the senior person who's in the room or watching online. We all need the forgiveness of sins offered by God as a free gift through the cross of Christ. This is what David saw. This is what he looked at through the, the, the portals of time through a thousand years. He could see this one to come who would conquer even death itself. Even death could not hold him because he is the Christ. So before we finish up today, I just want to have a word of prayer with you. And I wonder if there's any of you who are in the room today and you, and, you, know, you think to yourself, man, I have never heard the Bible in this way. I have never heard the Christian message in this way. And my heart is kind of pumping because this is, this is speaking right to me. You know I've tried the church I tried religion I got burned my concept of God was all messed up because of it but here I see something and it seems to make sense father I pray for each person who's in this room each person who's watching live people who are going to watch people who are going to listen and I pray Lord by the power of your spirit you would speak to people even in this moment You inspired David thousands of years ago to pen these few verses in what we call Psalm 16. I pray, Spirit of God, you would use your word to speak to hearts in this moment. Now, if there's someone who's in this room or maybe you're online, uh, I'm gonna pray a very, very simple prayer on your behalf. And you don't have to pray it word for word, but something like it or something that expresses uh, the conviction of your heart. I just want to know who I'm praying for before uh, we leave today. So I'd like every everybody to just close your eyes so that no one's looking around no one's saying oh see look he's gonna No, I I want everybody to close your eyes so we just have a moment of privacy but I do believe that God is speaking to a couple of people who might be here today I don't know everybody in the room I don't know your background I don't know your story I'm not a prophet but I believe that God still speaks through this book so if that's you today and you say I want to pray to God to forgive me for my sins in this moment. Can you just slip up your hand so that I can see you? No one else looking around, just so I can see you in this moment. Yes, thank you, you may put it down, I see your hand. Anybody else? I'm just gonna pray on your behalf, I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna call you to the front, it's really between you and God. I'll just wait a moment longer. So God, I call out to you, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Forgive me for my sin, for crossing the line. God, I have tried it my way for so many years. And now it's time to follow you. I pray that you would come into my life and you would change me and you would make me your child today. Amen, amen. You prayed that prayer today. Come and see me or communicate with me privately if you like all my contact information is on our Facebook website and all of that or you can come and just chat with me at the end here I'm gonna be down at uh, the front or outside love to greet each one of you before you leave Uh, God bless you keep watching the Olympics maybe the men will get some golds right And uh, we will be uh, back on Wednesday night for our Zoom Bible study, talking about the theme in the desert. If you're interested in joining that, come and see me if you do not have the, the Zoom link. God bless you, everyone. Have a great, great Sunday.